I'm a Pierre Maguire fan I just can't stop He travels around A man about town Gives us what he's got And what you need to know We've got him on our show Saying hey, hey, mommy You know Pierre Maguire's on and now we talk to our very good friend, Pierre Maguire. Good morning, Pierre. Mike, good morning to you. Hello, Dave. Hello. Gee, I look at the uh, overall on the weekend what the Leafs had. If I'm a Leaf fan, if I'm a Leaf fan, I'm I'm still very encouraged. I'm very excited what I see with the effort. You know, they go into New York. Uh, this is a team. This is a hot team. <laughs> this is a team that's the, of significance. And and you, you're kind of going blow for blow with these guys. You're You're, you're hanging in there. And the bad thing is that I really think that there is a confidence issue, I'm sure, with Jonathan Bernier and the goals and they get in, one particularly bad one, and, of course, a, a rebound that you know most junior goalies are not going to cough up. There's, there's an issue there, Pierre, I think. Oh, confidence is clearly a problem for him right now. There's no question. I've enjoyed watching Toronto a lot, especially the last few games. I mean, you look at their game in Nashville, that was a tremendous uh, coaching and character win for that team. Uh, they obviously battled very hard against Vancouver, and that was a solid win yesterday. They were right in that game. You know, everybody's talking about the step-on goal, and they should. I mean, it's not a good goal, especially for an NHL goalie to give up. But the response from Toronto is what would excite me if I were a Leaf fan. Yes. I mean, Lupo comes down and scores about three or four minutes later. And, and everything's good. They're tied up. I mean, the fact that they didn't quit after Brassard scored off the Zuccarello feed is huge. And Finneff obviously scores off the Bozak faceoff win. But, I, I mean, things are going to happen. What, there are some coachable moments from that game. In-zone coverage, turnovers at the wrong time. And on the last goal, if you watch it, you'll see that Riley Morgan makes a bad read. He makes a bad read. He overcommits up high. The point shot comes through. You talk about rebound control. Yes, the goalie's got to be there for rebound control off the McDonough shot. But Riley Morgan can't be up at the top of the circles. Not at that time of the game. He's got to be back defending. He's not thinking offense there. And I'm sure that's going to be – I would be willing to bet, Mike and Dave, that he will be brought in. Maybe he was even showing it on the plane last night. And say, listen – Played a great game, but here's one place you got to control yourself if you're going to be an elite player. You got to know the time on the clock, and you can't over pursue in your own zone. It's a coachable moment. It's not a big deal. It'll get fixed. Yeah, and, and you know what? And it's it's interesting because most of the morning I've been talking about um, the aspect of coaching and just and just the difference that it makes. But there are also uh, where we see. Uh, uh, a change in the in the way in which the team is playing, the, the, the structure that has been given oh, by the right. coach. But I think we're also, and, and I want to play you a quote here because I want to get your take on it because I, I certainly have one. I want you, I'm just going to play a, a, a yep. clip of the coach and what he had to say after the game. Well, Rhymes is starting against Colorado. That's that's where I'm at. You know, I mean, the bottom line is we're in the winning business, and so uh, whether you got to earn your own confidence, that's how the league is. There's three things in there, but the one that stands out to me isn't the decision that, that James Reimer is going to start the next game. He says we're in the winning business. Two, right. we, two weeks ago, I don't think he would say that, but he's starting to feel like his team can compete on a nightly basis where winning is expected. That is a marked difference, even like in the last 10 days. That's a good sign if I'm a league uh, fan. Well, you and I touched on and heard the same thing. That's what I. That's the one part of the soundbite that I, that I heard. We're in the winning business. So what that says to the players is, okay, we've given you almost a U.S. Thanksgiving. We're almost at the 20-game played mark. We kind of know a quarter of our season. We kind of know where we are right now um, as a group, and we can be better than maybe some of the prognosticators thought. Now, I was talking to somebody in hockey the other day. A lot of these games aren't going to be Rembrandts. 
just because that's the style they have to play. They have to play a quagmire kind of a game, slow it down defensively, try to pick it up offensively. That's okay. They're trying to insulate their weakest positions. Going forward, you'll see it will change. It will change. But right now, that's how they have to play. You talked about structure, Mike. I just want to leave you with this before Dave gets a kick in. Watch, if I'm a fan and I'm watching the structure on the power play in particular, and the entries, entries all about structure. Yeah, there's some teams that have enough good players that they can freelance and get in the zone and establish zone time. But watch the structure on the entries. That's coaching. And that makes a – when I'm watching that and I've seen it grow game after game after game, that tells me that the message is seeping in. So, again, I, I know I'm biased. People are probably out there, yeah, it's Buddy Babcock. I am biased. I think he's the best coach in the league. You know, if I were a general manager, that's the guy I'd want coaching my team. Pierre, Peter Laviolette recently said that the Maple Leafs were the heaviest team his team has played against. When was the last time you've ever heard the Maple Leafs described as a heavy team? No, no. <laughs> back when Pat Quinn was coaching, back when they went to the Eastern Conference Final, um, and they had guys like Domi and Corson and Tucker, um, and they played that way. No, that's that's exactly right. But again, that's part of coaching, and that's why I said a lot of these games aren't going to be Rembrandts, just because those are the kinds of players that they have. The one kid that I think deserves a lot of applause, and I don't know if he's getting it, is a Byron Frase. Um, maybe you guys have talked about him, maybe you haven't. But I'm watching his face-off play. I'm seeing how Mike trusts him, especially in uh, defensive zone situations. And you know what it reminds me of? There's a player in Detroit very much the same way, Luke Glendening. Very, yeah. very similar. And Glendening is a fourth-line center there. He knows his role. He plays perfectly to his role. He's not a cap-breaker. He's going to help you win games. He's going to help you sustain leads. Those guys are invaluable. They're so critically important in the cap era um, because of the way they play, the kind of minutes they can play. And what I think about Gregory Campbell and Danny Pye in Boston, they were never third-line players. They were fourth-line players. They helped them win the 2011 Cup. Go watch their game seven. So I, I'm just, I think Toronto's really starting to get on track. I'm very excited about it. I talked about it the other night during the Nashville game when I worked with Jeff O'Neill and Bob McKenzie and James Duffy. And I, I've, I'm seeing it happen. It's really exciting. When you play heavy, it takes a lot out of a team. It's been 18 games so far, and that's a lot of hard work. How long can this last? Well, it's going to last just because other teams are getting tired, too. If you watch that game yesterday, it's the same thing. They both played back-to-back. New York had a bit of an advantage because they were an afternoon game the day before against Ottawa. But every team goes through the same thing. And so you're going to start to see injuries start to accumulate. You're going to start to see uh, guys playing with little nicks and and sometimes big nicks. Um, But that's just part of it. Now, the one thing I would tell you, I remember having this long talk with Mike Madonna when he was playing down in Dallas, and and the Stars were a very good team. Dave Tippett's style back then was a very heavy, very hard, very duress-oriented type of system. And, Mike, I remember him saying, it's hard to do this every night, but, man, oh, man, the results are good. So that's coming from a star player. But that's one thing that always resonated with me. I try to learn something new every day that I go to the rink, and that's one thing over the course of time. You learn. Sometimes you have to amend your style just because it's so unforgiving. Sometimes the guys just break down. <laughs> Almost my favorite Mike Medano thing is I go down to uh, you know uh, old uh, Reunion Arena 
and yeah, uh, down in Dallas. Down yeah. in Dallas is where I am in uh, the West End, and I'm watching the Kings are in town. Gretzky's playing. I'm thinking this is pretty good. Not only that, <laughs> some coworker, a buddy of mine, his wife, her her coworker is a girl from Sweden, and she looks exactly what you think she looked like. Right. You came with a boyfriend. Trust me, I blew that one off in about five minutes speaking Swedish. It was awesome. So I'm thinking, what a great night. And then on the scoreboard, it said, hey, hey, fans, remember, talk to Mike Medano. It was like 1-800-CALL-MIKE. He had this line where he'd call. It was like, hey, this is Mike Medano uh, this morning for breakfast. I, I had cornflakes, and make sure you have a good breakfast, too. Call me tomorrow. Mike, you, would, <laughs> you would remember this, but back in the heyday of the Dallas Stars when they were really running big guns, there were two huge stars in, in Dallas um, Dallas sports lore, Mike Madonna and Troy Aikman. Yes. It's, so, it, those were the two big boys down there at that time. I mean, it, people don't realize how big a footprint the Dallas Stars had after they won the Cup or even before they won the Cup because they would have these unbelievable battles with the Colorado Avalanche um, back in those days with Patrick Juan, Peter Forsberg. And and Dallas was great, but those were the two big sports guys for pro sports in Dallas at the time. It was uh, Troy Aikman and Mike Madonna. They were superhuman. Oh at that yeah, time. absolutely. Uh, and speaking of uh, guys larger than life, we had uh, Jeremy Roenick. J- 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 oh, no. oh, Jeremy, yeah, he's we, a hip too. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> oh man, it, I'm telling you, it just it's like I, I went to high school with the guy every time where I'm around him. You know what? He's just uh, he's just a great guy, and of course. He also talks, you know, about a time and, and, and part of the conversation was, you know, when I look where players come from now, and you can be from Alabama, you can be from Louisiana, you can be from Florida, yeah. and, and yeah. they'll make it in a time where that, that wasn't his experience. He was one of the first guys, I think, at least to my knowledge, or at least my feeling of my age now at 52, that that, that uh, onslaught of when uh, USA hockey all of a sudden just kicked into another gear. And he, I think he's a big part of that success. It, well, absolutely is, and, and again, um, I'm biased towards this because I had Jeremy in hockey's camp when he was 15 and 16 at a thing called the Europa Cup in Boston. We had players at that time coming through that camp like Billy Guerin, like yeah. Tony Amante, like Sean McEachern, like um, Ian Moran. I'm just thinking of all the – Garth Snow. We, those were all kids we had in this camp wow. that were going through, and they were. I personally believe those were kids who were part of the 1980 hockey legacy from the gold medal at Lake Placid, because they were 16. But that the development really started after 80, if you remember, and it pushed forward from there. And so this would have been right around 85, 86, 87 in those years. Um, I had just been released by New Jersey. I was starting out my coaching career, but those are the kinds of kids we had in that camp, and that just shows you the depth that they had in Massachusetts uh, at that time. But Jeremy really was one of the, the guys that led the way. He was really <laughs> – Mike, you knew. You just knew at that time that kid was going to do something special because yeah. he just – so dominant. And so he, Jeremy Roenick is tough. I don't think people realize. Everybody thinks he's a slickster with the puck. He's a tough guy. Coached against him in the Stanley Cup final, playing on line with Steve Larmer and Michel Goulet. It was probably the best line in hockey at the time. And Jeremy Roenick was the engine that drove that line. He was one tough son of a gun. Hey, Pierre, thanks so much for this morning. I always appreciate the time. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. I look forward to his winter starting to happen, Mike. Not here yet. Not oh, here it's yet. It's cold here today. Where are you? Where are you calling from? I'm, I'm in uh, Connecticut right oh, now. I'm okay. heading to Pittsburgh. I've got Pittsburgh and Mini tomorrow, and then. Uh, 
Washington and Detroit and Detroit on Wednesday. But oh, I went to drive my daughter to school early this morning. It's cold here today, Mike. Speaking of cold, I got to get David. I got David on the show. We got to do a little bit of a Jets corner. What the hell's happening out there in Winnipeg? What's going on? Uh, you know what? I think they just for whatever reason. I think they started to read their press clippings and they got a little road weary and everything else. But uh, they'll, they'll, I think they'll find a way. But that division's so tough. By the way, just speaking of excellent performances this weekend, yeah, Tom Brady. Hello. I know money Hall of Fame. Here's if you're a coach out there and you work with young children, whether it be boys or, or girls, get the tape of him just before he goes on for the last drive, and it's a perfect example of a coachable moment that we were talking about mm-hmm. before with Riley Morgan: composure, focus, and confidence. Go get, you'll see him on the sidelines, and I'm sitting there with my 13-year-old boy. I'm telling this guy knows how to do it. Look at him; he's in charge. Nobody else is panicked. He's confident in his abilities, but you can see the focus. It's his brain is turning. It's an amazing array of pictures on the sidelines. Yeah, and you're right. It's a cerebral part of that game to me. That's yeah. why he go, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He he may not be the best athlete who's ever played in, the, in that position, but no. right now between the years, uh, there's no really no. And he I, and you know I, what? he's tough. We we have Sean Salisbury. I don't know if you if you know oh, Sean. Oh yeah, no, Sean. I know Sean. Yeah, yeah. Sean, and I he, don't know him, but I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. and he starts to break and he goes, "You don't think he's tough?" He goes, "I know the the aw shucks and the the what do you call him a huckleberry or whatever he says that that whole routine from the camera." He goes, "He's one of the toughest son of a bitches," and and you would never think that, but he is. Oh, I would agree with that. I mean. You look at some of the runs that he makes, and you look at some of the times he hangs in the pocket and just gets blown up. I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. Um, no, he's really tough. Listen, anybody that plays at that level, oh, yeah. you know, I love it when fans say, oh, that guy's chicken. Okay, we're going to give you, you, here's your uniform. Let us know how you make out. Here is your uniform. You get to go play now. Yeah. I love it when people say that. I sit, sometimes I go to games, and I just put my baseball hat on. I sit in the corner of the rink. And I'm watching the games, and people go, that guy's so afraid. I want to say, okay, (laughs) your uniform's down in the dressing room. You get to go on next shift. I can't wait to watch. All right, have a good day. See you, Pierre. (laughs) Pierre McGuire, our uh, NHL insider.